Hello everyone and welcome to the Kickabout, a weekend of no football means we've got to find something to talk about. I'm your host Chris. And I'm Dan. Welcome to episode number 97, just three away, just three away from the magical 100 number. Uh, We are going to start slowly releasing some information about what we've got going on, but we're going to have a bumper episode um, with Fran, we'll be back on the show, um, and we're going to see if we can get um, Shear on the show as well. Um, So yeah. Let's um let's get on with the show. As you know that as you heard that Dan is Dan is here. Peter's not. Peter's away for work at the moment. And unfortunately, I do have to tell you that there'll be no podcast next week. I am on holiday with the fam. Um, and as much as I would uh, love to take my entire recording equipment with me, I'm not so sure uh, my girlfriend would be that pleased with that. Girlfriend. Uh, fiance, sorry. Whoa. It's a good <laughs> thing she don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> so, um, let's get on with the show then. Uh, we don't have a stat this week. Um, There's no one to do on. Oh, you I got did, one? I did grab one. Yeah. Oh, you did grab yeah, one. Yeah, I yeah. do apologise. I didn't think you had one. <laughs> right, let's go for it. Damn the stat, man. So Arling, uh, Arling, Arling, good start. This is a great start Should to the start show. The whole thing, yeah. <laughs> Erling Haaland now has the best goals to minutes ratio in the Champions League history, with players twenty-five plus goals. Wow. Yeah. Um, but can you tell me the other one, two, three, four, five? Yeah, the top five. Okay. Mm. Excellent. Well, as always, we'll get that at the end of the show. With no Pete being here, of course, there will be no quiz later. Um, and of course, yeah, there was no football this weekend. None um, at all. Man. None at all. So um, we obviously will acknowledge the fact that uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II uh, tragically passed away last Thursday. Um, we are we've taken the decision that we're not going to particularly talk about it. Frankly, we're not in the least bit qualified to do so. Um, and obviously, there's a ton of coverage around on the various news outlets and, and internet sites. So if obviously if you're interested in hearing more about her life and the work and the amazing work that she did, then obviously you're more than welcome to check those out. But for tonight, we are going to stay true to football mm-hmm. um, and what little of it there was at the weekend. Uh, thankfully, though, there is still a reasonable amount to talk about. And it is going to be a shorter show. And actually, we've got a, a slightly uh, interesting part of the show later on. So for the board game fans out there, uh, you may want to stay with us towards the end because we've uh, finally played the Super Club board game mm. on Friday night. Uh, we had an absolute blast playing it. No prizes for guessing who won. <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we're going to talk about that later, tell you a little bit about it um, and give you some ideas as to where you can go to buy it if you're interested. And uh, yeah, so that's all coming up later in the show. So we're going to start then with what is dare I say it is it turning into a little bit of a mini crisis at Liverpool right now yeah um, I think it is and I don't know if you've seen their next sort of five fixtures or not but they're probably about as bad as they could possibly be well they getting away well starting off with Chelsea this weekend has obviously yeah, has been postponed that, yeah. and that in theory though could get rearranged somewhere in the middle of those five so mm. they're probably not going to get away with it for very long um, now you know, we've we've talked about their Premier League form, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but we've not talked about 
um, because of where, where the game landed, the Champions League game last week mm-hmm. against Napoli. I mean, that was about as poor a performance I've seen from Liverpool in some considerable time. Mm. And it feels like a little bit to me at the moment that I think Klopp is just scratching his head a little bit. I'm not I'm not sure he truly knows what it is that's going on in front of him right now. No, and they had that dip a few seasons ago. Um, but that was when they lost like Van Dijk and I think Trent was out for a while and they had quite a big yeah, old injury Gomez, crisis. Matic were all out. Yeah, whereas, I mean, they've got their front three. Um, obviously Mane's gone, but Diaz is now the new Mane, so it's not like they're missing any of them. The back four is exactly the same. Well, they've lost Matip, but... But he's still around the squad, though. He's yeah, not, yeah. He's just not being played. Yeah. Um, obviously, Alisson's doing goal, so it's not like it's a different goalkeeper. I think their biggest problem is the midfield. I mean, the fact they're having to play like a 37-year-old James Milner in midfield. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, <coughs> meaning no disrespect to James Milner, he's obviously had a very oh, yeah, incredible he's been, career. He's been around the block, yeah. Um, and he still does a job even to this day, but he's obviously not a midfielder that's setting you up for the future, yeah. effectively. So, I mean, you know... The defence side of things is what is taking the headlines right now. There's been a lot of talk about Van Dyke mm-hmm. and his form. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Joe Gomez. But in particular, it's Trent that appears to be copying the vast majority of the flack at the moment mm-hmm. and, and the criticism that's being aimed at them. Do you think that's fair? Or do you think that it's... Is it become such like a, a almost a meme now that everyone just assumes that Trent is shit at defending, that the <laughs> second he does something wrong... It's straight away. Let's jump on that bandwagon again and show the world that he's shy to defending when it's just one occasion. Um, well, the highlights I saw of him against Napoli probably don't help his case. <laughs> no, they do not. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, there was obviously clips of him just stood there as players ran past him and were playing one twos around the Liverpool defence, and he was just sort of not even jogging back, but walking back at times. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean. There's always, for me, there is a big difference between being able to defend mm. and wanting to defend. And at the moment, he seems like he's in the latter camp. Like yeah. he, he looks like he is making a conscious decision to just not try. Mm. Now, he is not the only one. I mean, the, the, one of the goals I think you're talking about where they, were, they played that one too. Yeah. There was probably four or five Liverpool mm. players there that were all flat footed, almost as if like they were looking round waiting for somebody else. And I think that's what's killing them at the moment is his lack of responsibility. People are, you know, they're doing a half a job and then they're expecting someone like Van Dyke to mm. go and mop up. And it's just not happening at the moment. And, and Gomez lost the ball twice to give away two goals. He was awful. Yeah, he gave away two penalties, didn't they? Yeah, it's just, it was a it was an absolute horror show. And mm. I just wonder at the moment if, you know, with Man City being as imperious as they are, I know they... Um, you know, there's always going to be that shock result around the corner at some point. Although for City, that's it's going to be a one-off. You don't mm. really foresee City ever going on a three or a four-game streak where they don't pick up maximum points from at least three of those games. Yeah. I just wonder: have have Liverpool already set themselves too much of a mountain to climb this season? Um, I know it's I know it sounds silly saying the six games in, but the way things are. I think luckily for them, because of the way the the World Cup breaks up the season, obviously there's that big period where club teams won't be playing any games so a lot can happen over that world cup period mm. um obviously liverpool players can come back from injury city players could be out with injuries from the world cup i guess form really... kind of resets a little bit as <clears throat> yeah. well yeah um a lot of the teams that don't have players going to the world cup obviously can get up to date on tactics and stuff like that. so it's going to be interesting. I don't think, you know, we'll be getting to Christmas and saying, oh, yeah, City have won it, because I think so much can happen over that World Cup period. Yeah. I do, yeah, I do wonder, 
um, you know, thinking a little bit further up the pitch now for Liverpool, I do wonder what Klopp is thinking to himself about the Mo Salah situation right mm. now. Because, you know, over the past three or four seasons, he's been as good as Harry Kane in terms of his contribution and the number of goals, etc. But when Salah hasn't been firing, he's always had Salio Mane there to mm. mop up. And at the moment, as good as Diaz is and as good as Firmino is, it doesn't feel like that same... Uh, I suppose you could look at Mane as a bit of a pressure lifter. He would he would happily bear that responsibility of being that you know person to come to to get them out of trouble. Yeah. And at the moment they don't have that, and it seems like it's highlighting a little bit more Salah's lack of form and lack of uh, prowess in front of goal. At the moment. I mean, is he going to cause a problem with him if he doesn't start finding goals? You know, I'm not saying he's undroppable, but you know he's not a million miles away from that. And I just wonder if Klopp will think about, you know what, maybe I need to give him a break. Mm, yeah, I mean, from from what I've seen, he's been getting much, much wider than he has done in previous... I think where they've had Firmino, you know, Mane and Salah were almost playing as strikers rather than wingers. Whereas now I think that Darwin Nunes has been introduced, they've been pushed further out wide. Yeah. And I think that's what's sort of impacting on Salah's goal-scoring ability. Mm. I mean, it's not like he hasn't had chances. I mean, in that mm. Bournemouth game, for example, he could have had a hat-trick. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, much to your yeah. <laughs> disappointment in Fantasy League. Um, yeah, it just seems really bizarre. This this so, The Liverpool team just looks so disjointed. It looks like this is a team that hasn't played together before. Mm. Um, and I just really don't know if Klopp right now has an idea of how to fix this other than doing what he did in that season we mm. talked about before with the injuries and just sort of saying, no, come on, I believe in this squad, I believe in the ability, it's going to click at some point. I think I think it will. I, I think at, at some point it will just click and you know the old Liverpool will be back because those players are still there. Yeah, they're still class we, players. Yeah, we know that they're all world-class players. Yeah, I do feel like maybe the only, if I was going to aim any criticism at Klopp, it's perhaps a little bit of short-sightedness with regards to their midfield. Mm. Now, we know that Liverpool historically don't splash the cash massively without first bringing in a bunch of money. I mean, this summer was a little bit of a you know, a weirder situation where they went mental on Darwin Nunes. And we spoke yeah. on the YouTube videos we did last week, which, by the way, if you haven't watched them, go and check them out, um, where we reviewed the transfer window stuff and we actually said that we really didn't think Liverpool had a very good transfer window at all. We actually mm. gave them a D, yeah, we did. Um, which was one away from the worst score we could have possibly given them, um, which was reserved only for uh, for Leicester. Mm. And I just feel like they've really missed a beat here. I, th- I wonder if there was a little bit of... not. I don't think it was... I don't think it's arrogance because I don't think that Klopp is... I know he portrays himself in such a way at times where he's mm. like a bad loser and everything else, but I don't think he's that arrogant and that silly to not recognise a problem when it's there because he did it with Van Dijk, he did it with Allison, he knew there was a problem and he got, yeah. and he got those players. Yeah. But I do think that he's missed a beat with that midfield. I think they were crying out for a new recruit yeah. in there and they've got Arthur Mello in, but I, you know, jury's out as to what he's going to do. Yeah, I think he was just a panic. Like We need someone in midfield quickly get someone in. Um, he's not someone they've like particularly targeted no I wouldn't have thought so I think he's just kind of he was available yeah. we needed someone in desperately uh, yeah. urgent at the back end of the transfer window so yeah I think I, th- I think they'll be okay I think they're going to have a great season but right now the longer this goes on the worse mm. it's going to become because yeah. it you know, gives them a bigger mountain to, to climb especially this season because a lot of teams have improved I mean Spurs and Arsenal are obviously at the top at the moment yeah um, dare I say it you're not <laughs> I, thought, I wondered if you were going to well, throw them in there um, starting to look a lot better I don't, obviously we won't be fighting for the title but I think we'll be in a fight for top four this season yeah. hopefully 
Um, Chelsea now Graham Potter's there we might start to see them because I feel like Chelsea's biggest problem is the defence and someone like Graham Potter we know that what he's like defensively at Brighton so yeah, um, yeah I think it's going to be a quite a hot race this season yeah so yeah they need to sort this out quickly because if they don't they're going to find themselves mm. in a very long slug to they're going to have to go on a ridiculous run of games mm. to get themselves back in there um, so uh, and on that point let's um, switch our attention then to Chelsea and, and Grand Potter now of course we recorded last Monday night as we mm. always as we always do uh, Mystic Meg over here Mystic Dan quite uh, quite rightly predicted that Graham Potter would be a fantastic fit for Chelsea should mm. they decide to part ways with Thomas Tuchel. Wish I'd have done the lottery numbers. <laughs> Lo and behold, the following day, um, about an hour actually before we recorded our YouTube videos where mm. one of them was about where we reviewed the current crop of, of Premier League managers, Lo and behold, they sacked him, and then within a day, Graham Potter's in there. Yeah. So, yeah, Dan Dan foresaw this, and I think you have to say this was quite clearly a, a very set uh, approach from Chelsea because, mm. you know, you've got people like Zidane and Pochettino out there, proven winning managers, and I don't, as far as I know, I don't even think they had a conversation with them. I think they just went for Potter. Yeah, he he mean, was our man, let's go get him. Yeah, the speed that it went through, I can only assume that they just spoke to Potter and... He said yes, and that was it, job done. But I'm kind of glad, actually, that because English managers don't usually get a look in when it comes to the big jobs. Um, so I'm glad that Potter has been recognised for what he's done at Brighton. Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's a really good move. I, I, I really hope this works out for him because he's... You know, he's been a success everywhere he goes, and I think this really could now be the making of him. Mm. You know, if he succeeds here at Chelsea, you're probably going to see and hit, or you're going to hear Graham Potter's name mentioned. Mm. You know, in the top jobs for some time to come. Um, in a in a similar way that I thought that would happen with Brendan Rodgers. Um, now I, I'm not suggesting that it won't in the future, but I feel like the way things are going right now with Leicester, if a big top four job, let's just say for argument's sake. I don't know, let's say Guardiola or Klopp left. Mm. I don't think Roger's name is really even in the top 10 no, for those right no. now. Whereas if Graham Potter does a good job at Chelsea, I think his name would be mentioned. Not that yeah. he would go, potentially, but I think his name would be mentioned. Potentially a future England manager as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's the way in which he put, he comes across in interviews, the, you know, the way the players talk about him, I think this is going to be a, a really good appointment. However, <laughs> there is always a flip side to this. Mm. There is no doubting that this is one big-ass test at Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. Um, Trans window's obviously shut now as well, so we can't bring anyone in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got Cucurella. But I was thinking, did Cucurella like down tools when he was at Brighton? Um, I feel like he was pushing for a move. I'd be surprised if he wasn't pushing for a move. Um, whether he down tools or not, I don't know. I don't recall ever hearing that. Right. He might have... You know, been so left that out could of teams. Be really awkward if he uh, yeah. had a tiff with Potter to get the Chelsea move, and then Potter's like, "Hello, <laughs> <laughs> fancy seeing you here." <laughs> yeah, I, I think I remember hearing. You know, we've heard stories of people like Wesley Fofana, for example. Mm. As far as we know, he hasn't downed tools. It's a case of he's had his head turned. Yeah, which is not a million miles away from downing tools. Basically, what it means is you're just but not he, in the right headspace. He came headspace. out in the media, didn't he, Fofana, and said that he wanted to move. Yeah, he was doing every tactic in the book yeah, to uh, force which that move that's through. not great, is it? It's not a great look. It's not down in tools as such, but it's it's not great in terms of no. for the manager. I'm uh, trying it's to think undermining the manager. Did a similar thing. I don't recall he did, um, I'll be honest. And I think the... 
I wonder if the speed at which it, the Chelsea move went through because it looked for all intents and purposes that he was going to go to um, City. to City yeah. and then Chelsea sort of came out of nowhere and completely gazumped them and, and stole the move. So, yeah, I mean, at the very least, I, you know, Graham Potter, I think I'm right in saying he has some form of degree in like human psychology or something like oh, that, okay. or you know, which obviously will help massively with man mm. management. Even if he's had a bit of a tiff with Cucurella, I highly doubt that that's going to cause a problem. I think no. they'll, be able, they'll be able to clear that very, yeah, very quickly. I'm sure. And he's, he's inheriting quite a decent team, to be fair. And he's in, well, I suppose the good thing as well, he's inheriting, you would argue, a reasonably new team mm. in terms of there's a number of new players there um, that won't have gelled completely with what Tuchel wanted them to do, mm-hmm. which means that Graham Potter doesn't have to have the entire squad and rip apart to all of Tuchel's plans, he's probably got half a dozen players there who would have only had a month or two with mm. Tuchel. So actually changing them away from that system into the new one is not going to be as hard as if it was the entire squad. And he's got two weeks without any games to train them. Exactly that. So yeah, so every, everything is coming up Potter at the moment for mm. him in terms of how everything has worked out. Um, so do you think then, you know, I've heard a lot of people say about the fact that Chelsea don't often allow managers much time to be sacked. Now, they are, of course, talking about an old regime because it's no longer a yeah, very much in charge. it's not. However, they do, they did sack Tuchel quite quickly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there is an awful lot more and pressure. Chelsea haven't been, like, shocking. No, they haven't. Um, I think they were quite clearly looking for a reason to sack Tuchel. I mean, there was a lot of stories flying around about this. So apparently, the owners sounded like they wanted to get a little bit too involved and they should have been fairly typical of a new owner they want to come in and stamp their mark and sort of dictate how things are going to go supposedly the owners drew up plans for a 4-4-3 formation Um, do the quick maths and work out the problem with that one Um, supposedly there was a lot of issues with Tuchel and the board with regards to signings the board wanted Ronaldo Tuchel didn't and that caused quite a lot of fractures uh, in their relationship Um, I'm just looking here um, apparently Tuchel didn't speak to the first team players properly in over a year really? I find that hard to believe any you know good world class manager surely is having fairly regular conversations with some of his players even if it's not all of them I've heard stories of managers you know stonewalling one or two players yeah but to not talk to a single member of his team mm. in a in a private capacity of like a one-on-one capacity sounds very odd mm. to me for a manager of that uh, of that ilk um, I'm just going to make this uh, picture slightly bigger there we go um, and apparently to- uh, Todd Bowley has also said that uh, he was that Tuchel was a nightmare to deal with <laughs> but I, that could just be sour grapes because you know he rejected everything that Bowie mm. wanted. Now, Bo, uh, sorry, uh, Tuchel has come out and given an interview and said that he felt at home and he was devastated to be sacked and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I do feel sorry for him. Yeah. Because he's done an amazing job there, but yeah. it, 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 there did feel a little bit of an, an, an inevitability about this, didn't there? Mm. I think a lot of the fans were starting to turn as well. Um, I don't think they quite have the same love for him as you know Liverpool do for Klopp and... City do for Guardiola. Does that does that come about? You think because of the the way in which Chelsea rotate managers? That it's, yeah, it's difficult to build it, up a yeah and a, a you know a, a relationship with a manager that's only ever there for a maximum eighteen months. Especially when years. he's he's won them the Champions League and a couple of other European cups. I, f- I feel like 
Well, for, for as a United fan, I'd find that quite easy to fall in love with, to be honest. Yeah, fucking right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, last season he's two penalty kicks away from winning the domestic double. Yeah, yeah. So you know what it was a trophyless season last year. It could have very easily been a domestic double, mm. and I think. I do think football fans, I'm not, I'm not just singling out Chelsea fans here at all, but I do think football fans as a whole have incredibly short memories. Mm. Um, and it's it's a shame that the players seem to, you know, what once once the slide starts, it seems like players are almost unwilling at times to tr- even try and repair yeah. relationships, even if they do come out afterwards and say, oh, he's a great manager, wish him all the best. Mm. Well, if you thought that, maybe you should try a bit fucking harder while mm. he was there. Well, I think Arsenal are a perfect example of that in terms of like fans. Obviously, they all wanted Arteta sacked after his first three games last season, and then look at them now. They're all yeah. in cloud nine, aren't they? Exactly. And you know, you do sometimes it's very difficult for fans to see the bigger picture. And I, I appreciate that. You know, football fans are a passionate bunch of people. They want to see their team do well, they want to be entertained. So it costs a lot of money to watch football these mm. days, either live or on TV. So you do want to see quick returns, but at the same time, you have to understand that if you take a slightly longer approach to things, success often comes from that. I mean, you look yeah. at some of the other examples well, in Potter. the Premier League. Potter, mm. um, Brendan Rodgers at Leicester, yeah. um, David Moyes, I suppose, to a point at West mm-hmm. Ham and what he's build, trying to build there. So, you know, if, if, you, if you constantly want change, you're going to have to deal with the fact that you ingrain that into your club so much mm. The, the players, especially unless you change the, the crop of players every season, those same players that are still there are just going to expect the manager to go every 18 months. Mm, yeah. Um, did you, um, slightly off topic, did you see the anti Martial interview? Was this about the previous managers? About Ollie. About Ollie, yeah, yes. Yeah, saying that he just kept playing him while he was injured. And yeah. Rashford as well. It was an odd, odd sort of interview to give, mm. wasn't it? You know, bearing in mind Solskjaer has been gone now for a while. Yeah. It's um, so been talking, again, Changing subject slightly. Has there been any noise about this Ronaldo interview? No, yeah, no. I haven't heard a thing, actually. Because he said he was gonna, it was going to all become clear after the transfer window ended and this, that and the other. Yeah, do you think he's now shut up because he didn't get a move? Because he move, yeah. So he would have come out and blasted United yeah. after he got the move, but he didn't get it, yeah. so he shut up. Yeah, I thought, I thought that might be the case. So, but anyway, just back to, just to finalise on the Chelsea point with Graham Potter then... Um, do you think then, if hands down, do you think this is going to be a success, or do you think that Chelsea fans are going to have to show patience with Potter? They're a hundred percent going to have to show patience. Um, I think you've just got to look at his time at Brighton and see that it took him two years to sort of start getting away from that relegation zone. Um, I think it was like nineteen, no, not nineteenth. That would have been relegation. It was like seventeenth. 17th and then 9th or something like that yeah 17, yeah, 17th, 16th and 9th yeah. on those lines um, so it's, you know takes two seasons to start to bring in the players that you want to bring in and get the players playing how you want them to play um, which is a shame because not just Chelsea but a lot of football teams you know you don't get given two plus years anymore it is rare very rare yeah. um, and I, I wonder if you know you, you suppose you could flip that around the other way and say well Chelsea have got a better crop of players to start from so therefore, the lack of money and the lack of real quality players at Brighton, perhaps he can do the same job in a shorter mm. amount of time at Chelsea, is going to be all about whether he can get those egos. There's going to be a lot of egos to deal with there, mm. which he wouldn't have had at Brighton. Can he get them on side? Can he get them believing in the system? You know, we've seen situations at Man United, for example, where they've had Ranić come in. Um, you know, there was even rumours at the start of this season when United lost their first two games that mm. the Man United players were still throwing their toys out of the Premier. They didn't believe in his tactics. Well, it's all fucking gone quiet now. You've won yeah, a few games. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's all very fickle. It's all, you know, we know what, we know what it's like in the world of football. Um, no, I mean, it's a, it's a massive new challenge here because it's already saying that, oh, you know, he's going to inherit better players and this and the other. But at Brighton, I mean, I imagine the goal was to finish top half of the table. Whereas for Chelsea, he's going to be... Uh, trophies. Yeah, he's going to have to, you know, compete for the Champions League, compete for the Premier League, win the FA Cup. Yeah, it's uh, the, the the pressures and the requirements of that role are going to be a lot lot different. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I, I wish him all the best because he is a fantastic. Yeah, I, I hope he does well. Um, so yeah, fingers not fingers too crossed. well, but yeah, not too well. <laughs> it's Chelsea we're talking about at the end of the day. Um, okay, let's move on then. Let's um, let's move on to talk about United then and their European adventure that they've been on um, last week. Obviously key story was the fact that Maguire played for the first time in a few games and yeah, lo and good, behold they lost the game. to see him back. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see the game so you'll have to talk me to through be, what it was like. To be fair to Maguire, it wasn't his fault we lost. Um, With the yeah. VAR, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the, honestly, the penalty, I don't know how they gave it. When he went to VAR and the commentators were even saying, like, oh yeah, they'll turn that around and I thought, yeah, there's no way they're going to give that. And have you seen... I saw, seen it, yeah, it yeah. He, he, he sort of threw himself at the ball, hit his knee and went up onto his hands. But he, he twists his body away from the ball, he tucks his arms in, it hits his knee, hits his elbow. How they can give that as, mm. as a handball? And it's supposed to be clear and obvious, isn't it? Well, this is the thing. I mean, you know, one thing I think referees and VAR uh, officials forget is that your arms have to go somewhere. Mm. You can't just make your arms disappear. Especially you know, we can't all have like range. exactly. We can't all have Jordan Pickford, Raheem Sterling, yeah. T Rex hands and just hide them around the corner. You know, you have to have your arms in a position that's comfortable given the movement that your body is currently doing. Mm. And when you're trying to block a shot like that and you're throwing yourself at the ball, your arms are in that position. Yeah. And I think that. Even though I didn't say it at the time, do you remember the new, the Forest Bournemouth game last weekend where the guy turned and blocked? Yeah, yeah. Whilst I still think it was a penalty because I don't think he's, I think his arms were too far out. Yeah, that is still a reasonably natural position yeah. to, put, to put your arms. I think that if you're just a bit braver, you don't put your arms quite as far out. You probably tuck them mm. in a bit more. Um, but I just wish we would get away from this. You know, it wasn't that many years ago that it had to be a deliberate handball. Mm. Um, and I, I don't know why in which that's not really taken into account anymore. It seems to just be about whether you've gained an advantage if it's in an unnatural position. Yeah. Is it a deliberate handball? Has he put his arm in that position mm. to try and block the shot or block a pass or whatever? And I think the distance that it happens should be taken into account as well because, you know, if I smash a ball at you now, there's very little chance that you're going to avoid it. Yeah, and also your instincts kick in at that sort of range. Mm. You know, you want to protect yourself, yeah. frankly. You know, you, you put anybody, uh, you know, two yards or five yards away from somebody and you have someone smashing a ball at you, your natural instinct is to turn your body, mm. you turn your head away and protect your vital organs yeah. and your vital parts of your body. And inevitably your hands form part of that barrier and that mm. protection. So, I don't know. I, I, I We talk a lot about offsides and, and these tackles and decisions like with VAR last weekend and the awful weekend it had but it feels, it feels like the handball stuff is taking a bit of a back seat at the moment mm. um, and yet we've seen one or two contentious handballs that haven't really been highlighted as much in the media so I would like to see a little bit more of a return to was it actually a deliberate handball yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. fine with hands in unnatural positions yeah. I'm fine with that like you know when you see a player jump up for a head on a corner and his hands yeah, above his head above, yeah. that's fine yeah. you know he's he's being a moron in that yeah. situation he deserves a penalty but if he's just you know hands in roughly natural positions and he's booted at him from five yards yeah. can we stop giving penalties for yeah. that please because it's just especially if it flicks up off his knee 
Yeah, exactly. It didn't so even stupid. hit him straight away. It's so stupid, man. Um, but anyway, on the on the wider point of United, we've had like five games now where you you know um, in the better form. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I'm not really going to take that game as a loss because I think did he change the team quite a lot? Did he change the team? Yeah, um, yeah, he made a few changes. Uh, the defense, I think Maguire and Lindelof came in at centre back. Um, it was still Delo and Malasia, I believe. Um, the midfield was well. We had Fred playing as a cam. Nice, nice. Um, Fred was in the number two. Honestly, it was like... Was he a bit lost? <laughs> he was shocking. <laughs> and I felt sorry for Ronaldo because Ronaldo, you could just see like the kettle boiling in his head because <laughs> every time we got the ball in a dangerous area, Fred would just try and do a stupid flick over the top and he would just go nowhere near Ronaldo. And every time he was just putting his hand up and apologising. and It was like Ronaldo playing with a 10-year-old. And, you, know, <laughs> you sort of let it go after a while, but... You no, sorry, you let it go to start with, but after a while you're like, yeah, this kid's pissing me off. Now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird one, but I think that the more this happens with you know players like Maguire and, and to a certain extent Ronaldo as well, I think Ten Hag is not only vindicating his decisions to himself with dropping them for the Premier League, mm. he's also vindicating it to the wider football world. Um, now we, we're going to talk uh, in a moment about the England World Cup team and stuff just because frankly we're trying to find things to fill the show with um, but you know this does have implications for the World Cup for for, for people mm. like Maguire and, and Luke Shaw um, in that they are now not only have they been exposed from a point of view that you know we, we, we all knew what their frailties were but now we've been, they've been exposed to the fact that they've been taken out of the team mm. and there has been a noticeable increase in performance of the team yeah won every game without them and lost every game with them um, and as you say, it's not that's not all down to Maguire. No, I mean, it's, um, certainly not yeah. last week's European game wasn't anyway. Um, but there's no doubting that the team is considerably, visibly weaker mm. when Maguire's on the pitch because they're having to cover for him and yeah. Luke Shaw. And we have to play as much well. deeper as well. So yeah, I mean, going forward, then you know now you've seen a little bit of of, of Ten Hag and what he can bring and what he has mm-hmm. brought to United. Um, now, before the season started, you said that you thought you'd be very, very lucky to get even European football yeah, at all, yeah. especially after the first two games. Um, football changes very quickly. So where would you say now Manchester United's realistic sort of ambitions and, and targets should be set? I'd like to see us challenge for Champions League, but I don't think we'll get it. Um, I still think we're weak in certain areas. Um, and you've beaten Liverpool and I know Liverpool are in all sorts of bother as we've mm, said but you did also beat Arsenal yeah beating Liverpool and Arsenal but I, the problem is I think we'll struggle against the weaker teams than we will against the um, the stronger teams because it's alright playing Liverpool and Arsenal because they come and attack you and they leave massive gaps in behind where our front three of you know Anthony uh, Sancho and Rashford like the way we've been playing against those teams we just put the ball in behind and Rashford runs onto it. Yeah. Whereas when we play like a Bournemouth, they're going to be sat on the edge of their area. You can't punt in a ball for Rashford to run onto. Mm. And I've watched against Sociedad, you know, they sat back on the 18-yard box and we just couldn't do anything. I mean, it didn't help that we had Fred playing as a number 10, but, <laughs> but we just can't seem to break teams down. Lack of ideas. Yeah, almost. but, you know, everyone just wants to play that 30-yard ball in behind. Um, and I've, I think Ten Hag is... I think the problem was against Brentford and Brighton, he wanted to play that sort of possession-based football like he'd done for Ajax. Mm. 
And then against Liverpool, he decided to switch it up and play the counter-attacking football, which is what United are used to. And I think he's trying to integrate both, uh, which is the signing for me of a good manager. He's not just stuck to his guns and said, no, this is how we're going to play. He's obviously realised it wasn't working and switched it up a bit. Yeah, maybe he sort of like realised perhaps some limitations of the mm. team, you know, what they can and can't do. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very important to have a plan B as well. Yeah, because yeah. which is our previous managers just didn't. Yeah, exactly. He had plan A if it didn't that work. That was always well, my that, biggest then. thing with Ollie is that, you know, he just went out with the same game plan every week and if it worked, then great. If it didn't, we were fucked. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. So let's let's move on then and talk about... Um, the the England World Cup squad now of mm-hmm. course I know we're <laughs> we're trying to fill a little bit with mm. nothing um, no football of the weekend but it's easy to forget that the World Cup is only just over two months away yeah it's actually pretty soon we've got a, a couple of Nations League games coming up I think which pretty much represent Ooh. the final <laughs> yeah <laughs> which kind of represent the um, the last time that we'll see. England in action before uh, our first game against is it Iran or USA is our first game uh, I, I think it's Iran is it Iran yeah. Um, so yeah it's, it's going to be interesting now the first thing I want to do before we talk about you know potential inclusions and stuff I want to take a look back at Euro 2020 now because that was only last year it does bear relevance mm-hmm. in terms of the squad this year now we're looking right now at the Euro 2020 squad Um. Goalkeepers, Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdale, Sam Johnston. Defenders, Carl Walker, Kieran Trippier, Reese James, Luke Shaw, Ben Shilwell, John Stones, Harry Maguire, Tyron Mings, Connor Cody and Ben White. Midfielders, Declan Rice, Jordan Henderson, Calvin Phillips, Jude Belling and Mason Mount. And forwards, excuse me, Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden, Bakayo Saka, Raheem Sterling, Jack Grealish, Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So my question to you, Dan, in that list there, which players are in your opinion, not going to be well, on the plane. Do you want to go through it category by category? Yeah, we'll go through So if we look at the goalkeepers. Yeah, I think the obvious one there is Sam Johnston. Sam Johnston. I mean, he's had the move to Palace, hasn't he? Mm. Uh, effectively becoming their number two. Yeah. I think it would take a fairly serious number of injuries for Sam Johnston to get back in the England squad right now. Especially as the one um, that's missing is Nick Pope. I'm pretty sure he was injured. Yeah. As to why... I think him and Trent were injured. I think that's why Trent yes, wasn't injured. Trent wasn't there, yeah. yeah. Um... So and then defenders wise, I mean, we're obviously we're, we're saying that Nick Pope is, a, is an absolute shoe in. For, yeah, for, I for think it's those two goalkeepers plus Nick Pope for Sam Johnston. Mm-hmm. Defenders wise, uh, I think Walker will be there, Trippier will be there, James will be there, Luke Shaw at the moment probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, will he take someone like Tyrick Mitchell instead? Potentially, yeah, because um, he's got Ben Chilwell. As long as Ben Chilwell is fit. He's got Trippier that can play left back. Um, what other right backs are there? Because he likes to have at least eight right backs. <laughs> um, well, I, he'll be, in theory, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't take Trent. I mean, we'll talk about him in a minute. Mm. I'd be surprised if he doesn't take him. I don't think he'll be a starter no. unless we're playing against a team where defensive responsibilities yeah. are not really required. Um, Chilwell, I mean, he's in and out of Chelsea's team at the moment, isn't mm-hmm. he? I, th- I think he'll go. Uh, Stones... I think he'll go, but he's hardly played. He's played a little bit this season. Has he? Yeah, we. Well, I think he's got at least one one goal this year, one or two goals this year, hasn't he? I thought he was out injured, which is why they were playing Ake. It was Diaz and Ake playing. Possibly, you might, might be right. Um, but yeah, I still I think he'll go if he's fit. Um, Maguire is the big one. Yeah, Maguire's a big. I think Maguire will go just purely based on the fact that he's a bit like Pickford. He's sort of Mister England. 
Um, he's one of these players that just plays really well for England, but not so much for United. But when you say, I mean, he plays really well for England, I mean, he, he did have a good Euro, so I'll give him his Well, his I say really well. He doesn't do anything. Doesn't do anything wrong. wrong. Yeah. 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 And he's playing in a three more often than not. Yeah. So it's easier to hide in that. And, you know, that we are often not playing big, big teams. Yeah. And we do, England do play a little bit deeper. Mm. So that we do play to his strengths and how yeah. he likes to play. Now, one of the criticisms of Southgate is that he is too defensive minded. Yeah. So if he is ever going to switch, and we don't know if he is or isn't, I mean, based I on don't think he will. Based on the Last Nations games, um, would suggest not. Yeah. But if he does ever want to to switch anything, or even if a new manager comes in at mm. some point and wants to switch things up and play a bit more on the front foot, then Harry Maguire's done, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I on based on current form, I don't think he should be anywhere near the England team. <laughs> Um, neither should the guy next to him <laughs> Tyrone Mings yeah agreed um, I think he only gets in the team because he's left footed uh, Connor Cody I think it's a tough one for him I quite like Connor Cody actually I think he's a decent player and he's good in the air um, not really sure why he's gone to Everton from Wolves and obviously there's some reason Um but I mean, there's no Tamori there. I feel like Tamori should be taking someone's place. Yeah, Tamori will probably come in for Tyrone Mings yeah. in that squad you're seeing there. Um, I think Luke Shaw, if things don't change at United and he spends the next six weeks mm. on their bench, six to eight weeks on their bench, I think I don't think Luke Shaw is going to go. Mm. I think he'll he'll decide, you know what, Ben Chilwell is going to be my starting left-back. I've got Kieran Trippier there who can cover left-back if I need to. Um, therefore, I can take... Um, Tarek Mitchell as a as a younger option. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that's potentially what will happen. I think Ben White actually, you know, you were talking about what other right backs there are. Mm. In fairness to Ben White, he's doing a pretty good job there, yeah. at Arsenal yeah. at right back. Um, he's been kind of pushed out there. I, I don't know. You know, he's he's playing football, so he probably doesn't care that much. But I wonder, you know, bringing one who's been signed as a fifty million centre back, and now they've signed. They brought Saliba back. I don't think he gets in the team as a centre back. Well, that's what I mean. You know, he, he they've had to accommodate him into a different position mm. because they can't fit him in in his more natural position. Yeah. And it just so happens that Arsenal had a little bit of a gap at right back. Um, that in fairness to Ben White, he's filled pretty well yeah, so far. Yeah, yeah. So that is another option. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of Tamori, this is England's issue, isn't mm. it? We don't have a great deal of depth at centre back. I mean, no. I can't even think. Off the top of my head, Mark Wahey at, at Palace. Yeah. Um, he's I think he's had a, a look in once or twice for England in the past. Yeah. But I wouldn't say he's he's certainly not at the forefront of people's minds in terms of why he needs to be in the next mm. England squad. There's no defender right now that I would look at that and say, right, he is the the John Terry of our of our generation. He's the yeah. the, the Rio Ferdinand, about to say yeah. Anton Ferdinand, then the Rio Ferdinand of our generation. There is no world-class England centre-back at the moment. I think it was the last World Cup I thought Stones and Maguire were really good together. Yes, they were. Um, I, I think that the, the team unit together has bailed us out a lot. Yeah. In, individually, I think there's real yeah, weaknesses yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, there but is. as a team collective unit and the, the tactics that Southgate plays yeah. has benefited our defensive unit. Yeah. And maybe we're doing Southgate a disservice. Maybe actually he's looking at that and thinking, well, guys, I know you want me to play more attacking football, but if we do, these fuckers are going to get seriously exposed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw their, saw their issues against... Um, Hungary. Hungary, yeah, mm. when we got Dick 4-0. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th- there are... There's frailties there, and I yeah. don't... 
you know, England constantly get talked about as being one of the favourites. And I'm thinking, have they fucking seen our defence? <laughs> you know, unless we're going to do the Brazil of old and start beating teams 5-3 every game. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind it, but it's a risky tactic. Yeah. So Midfield. Midfielders. Um, um, Tim Rice, a bit overrated. <laughs> I'm not nibbling. <laughs> Jordan Henderson. He's an interesting one. Not getting any younger. No. Very injury prone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Southgate will probably want to take him... If nothing else for his Just for his the, voice yeah, in the dressing room, room. Yeah. and I think he can still do a job when he's fit as well. For me, on the assumption that he plays a three mm-hmm. in that midfield, which he even against weaker teams he still tends to do, uh, so you know two two holding and one slightly higher. I think he'll probably go for Rice and Bellingham as the holding mm-hmm. with Mount. Probably Mount ahead of them, yeah, would be my guess. Although Mount is Mount's form right now is uh, nothing to write home about. Yeah, I mean, even the next name on the list, Calvin Phillips. He's I don't even know if he's played for City yet, has he? I think he played like one appearance. Yeah, I don't. I I can't remember if he started in the uh, in Europe mm. last week or not. Um, but I mean, Calvin Phillips does represent an issue because him and Declan Rice were the chosen partnership for mm. that entire tournament, and they did work pretty well yeah, together. They were, yeah. So that could potentially prove a problem if Calvin Phillips again doesn't get much football between now and the Euros. Does Southgate continue with that partnership, knowing that it worked well before, or does he change it up because of the lack of football? Do Bellingham is still doing bits at Dortmund and playing really well? Um, do you think we've got a little bit of a miss? Uh, sort of central attacking midfield because if you don't have Mount who else is there to go into that camera or maybe Phil Foden Foden yeah um, or do you think he's a little bit better coming from out wide he is but I think he could definitely do a number 10 role Madison yeah Madison's a good shout yeah uh, he's got to be in the team I reckon mm. um, but I mean the fact that they've only picked for the Euro 2020 squad they've only picked what's that five Midfielders, yeah, and like, shows you that the formation they're playing is that two holding, yeah. and the rest of them are just going to be attacking players. Mm. Um, so if we move on to the forwards, so we got Sancho, Sancho Foden. will be in there. I think looking at that list there, the only question marks I'd have right now, Greenish. Greenish is a question mark. Although again, I think that he's got enough of a reputation about him that he'll probably go. Um, but he, he's, I, I suppose, yeah, you could say he's a question mark. Yeah, I mean, he's not really been pulling up. Not even put up any trees, has yeah, he? Yeah. And he's been injured a bit. Mm. Rashford, I think, if his form continues the way it's going currently, then he'll get in the squad. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's we can't judge him too much. He's had two good games in like he's two lucky years. Marks <laughs> come in, to be honest. Yeah. Because... Um, and obviously the other one, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think should it be. It won't be anywhere, won't be anywhere near it. No, um, I mean, Tammy Abraham, I guess, will have to be in the team. Um, and who else were you well we were talking about Callum Wilson and Ivan Tony last week Um, now I think realistically to take both of them you're going to have to probably drop Rashford and Grealish because I don't think he's definitely going to take Foden he's definitely taking Saka 100% taking Sterling and Kane Sancho almost certainly so I think the question marks there are Grealish Rashford and Mm Calvert-Lewin does he drop all three of those I think Rashford Say Rashford carries on his form, I think he'll definitely go because he is a, a different option. Yeah. You know, if we, if we need to start just playing those balls in behind, Rashford's your man for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that, frankly, Ivan Tony's got a better chance of going than Callum Wilson. Not because I think he deserves to go, I just think because of his injury record. Yeah, I agree. You know, don't take somebody that you could even 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 that's only a four week tournament. You're playing a reasonable number of games in a short space of time, and Wilson's mm. track record is not good enough. It's a shame, really, because I think he would be such a good option oh, to have. Oh, he's so good. 
Um, I really do rate Wilson really mm. very high. Um, so, yeah, I think Tammy Abraham, we didn't actually mention, I think we talked briefly about England Fours last yeah, Monday, we didn't, did, we? Yeah. We didn't we? We forgot to mention Tammy Abraham. So, um, yeah, I think he's. Um, I think that's a good option. Um, is there anybody else you can think of off the top of your head? I mean, if we flick through the... Um, there was a, a sort of squad builder type thing here. I'm just looking through some names. Um, duh, 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 duh. I don't think there's anyone that really is... Not that pops out at me. Conor Gallagher? Not really, since he's gone back to Chelsea. I suppose the one we haven't talked about is Trent. Yeah, I think he'll... Although he's not really been playing that great this season, has he? No. Um, the problem is, is I think South Southgate has already in the past hinted at being concerned about his defensive mm. issues and his form. I think he was dropped for a bunch of games um, before the Euros came along. And I think, the, in fairness, I think the only reason he didn't get the Euros team was because he was injured. Yeah. But prior to that, he had had a spell away from the team and in the same way that I think Kyle Walker has as well. Yeah. Um, but Southgate looking at the sort of things that Liverpool are doing right now and seeing those defensive frailties mm. is going to scare him shitless. Um, and I don't think that you could make a case right now for dropping Trent over someone like Rhys James or Kieran Trippier, who are far more reliable defensively. Yeah, I mean, I think Rhys James would be first choice over Trent all the time anyway. How the fuck is Danny Rose in this list of potential England defenders? What the hell is that all about? Um, so, yeah, any some of the other defenders we're looking at here, obviously Joe Gomez is one we haven't talked about. I'm not sure he's... Going to get anywhere near the squad, really. No, um, not this close. Uh, moving on to midfielders. Um, I mean, there's a couple of names in there. I mean, we talked Chamberlain. about. Yeah, I don't get that at all. James Madison, James Ward Prowse actually is another one we've not talked yeah, about. Yeah, that's true. Um, and there's no one else in this list. Like, there's some very odd names in this list. Fabian Delph. Harvey Elliott. I think it's too soon for him. Mm. If it had been a summer World Cup next year, I think there's a conversation to be had yeah. if his form keeps up. But I think with it being so close, I don't think he's going to get in the squad right now. Um, and then, yeah, on to strikers. I think we're all... Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins. No, I've not even mentioned Jared Bowen. No, no um, he's been having a... It's a shame, really. If it had been off of... If it had been the summer World Cup, yeah, he would have 100% gone. But, but then this is the argument, though, isn't it? Because we're saying that you know it's based on form... Which is, which is, in my opinion, how it should be. Uh -huh. But Rashford has he's had two good games yeah. in two years, pretty much, hasn't he? Yeah. And all of a sudden now we're talking about, yeah, he's probably going to go in the England squad. Bowen's had a little bit of a slow... He's not done anything wrong. He's had a bit of a slow start, but he's still been you know working really hard and doing his usual stuff. Yeah. And yet it sounds to me like we're not suggesting that he's going to go. I've not heard anybody else suggest that he should be going. Mm. So it soon seems for all intents and purposes he's going to miss out. Well, you're a West Ham fan and you didn't even mention him. No, well, exactly that. Mm. Um, and that's not because I don't think he's good enough to do it. I just, just don't think he's going to get a look. Yeah. I think there's other people ahead of him in the pecking order for both quality, form and reputational yeah. reasons. Well, we know that Southgate likes his favourites and I think Rashford falls into that category. Yeah. Indeed. Right, okay. Um, so we're going to break them up. We're not actually going to have a break this week. We're going to go all the way through. Um, we're now going to talk about the this board game that we played on the weekend. So uh, the game is called Super Club. It's a game that I've been <laughs> seeing on my Facebook advertising mm. thing. Like I basically see it every day. Yeah. 
Um, so I kept looking into it. There wasn't a huge amount of marketing material about it. I think it's a self-published game. Um, so, you, you know, you can't even buy this on Amazon. You have to go directly to their website. And, um, yeah, so I looked into it and I thought, you know what, this could be this could be a bit of fun for us. So we all chipped in. Uh, we managed to get it on sale as well. I think we got it for 40 quid. And finally, on Friday night, we, um, we managed to get it to the table. And I tell you what, that it was, was it was really bloody good. brilliant, it wasn't was it? It was good. really good. So let me explain the basic premise of the game. So effectively, you are running a football club, a, a fictitious football club, um, and you are drafting a bunch of players. You are looking after your uh, club facilities in a fairly basic way, but mm-hmm. they, you know, the more you upgrade them, the more bonuses they give you. You're scouting new players. You're recruiting new players. You're hiring staff to give you boosts, and then you you play your matches mm-hmm. and you're actually playing against other people on the, on the table. You're simulating matches with dice rolls. Um, and there is actually, you know, on the, f- it didn't feel like it initially when we were going through it, but actually there was quite a lot of strategic depth to it, mm. isn't there? You know, with the sort of setting up of your players and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and choosing whether you go big in defence or big in midfield or big in attack. Because you, you, you hide your team, so mm. you can basically set out your starting eleven however you want. Um, well, within reason, there are certain formations that you're mm. allowed to play. So if I was paying attention to what other people were doing and what teams they were hiring, what players they were mm. hiring, if I was playing you, for example, I'd be like, oh, I remember Dan has signed a couple of very tasty strikers mm. in the last off-season. Signed all the strikers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had a monopoly of strikers in that game. Um, and uh, yeah, so I would know, right, I know he's very strong in attack, so therefore I'm going to beef up my defence to try and counter that. Mm. Or do I go, do you know what, He, I know I'm going to concede the fact that he's going to win that attacking third. I'll go big in midfield in my attack and try mm. and reverse it around the other way. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's got a bit of a monopoly element to it, hasn't it? It has, yeah. So, you know, the... the Despite the fact that we all had different teams, we all had different lineups, uh, there was all these boosts going on with staff members and other bits and pieces. When with the addition of the dice roll, that really brought. I, I feel like if you didn't have the dice roll for mm. determining who won the, the football matches, I think it would be a lot more boring than it was. Yeah, I, th- I think it really evened it out as well because you know I could have not not that the teams were that far apart anyway because no. it was all fairly sort of reasonably yeah. But um, if my attack was way better than your defence, you know, all it took was a bad roll of the dice and you were a good roll of the dice and you would sort of turn it around, which yeah. I guess is similar to real football. Exactly. The underdogs can win. Yeah, you can have an off day and yeah. whatever else. Um, and then, yeah, so I think we ended up playing something in the region of about six kind of rounds, six or seven rounds mm-hmm. of it. Um, so you play your games in you know, like a round robin style format. Um, th- there is ways in which you can also extend the game as well, so you can play like a home and away leg. Mm. Um, and whoever comes highest from the players playing the game gets a super club card, uh, which you're not allowed to look at. And if if somebody gets three of those, effectively if they if they win three seasons, they are allowed the opportunity to play against one of those cards at random. And if they win that. Um, then they they, they win, win the, game. the game, or if they are the player to get to a hundred points in a league season, um, they also uh, win the game that way. And then of course, you you build up your starting point total by just having a better squad. Mm-hmm. So the more the more stars you've got on your player cards, the higher up the track you sort of start at the season. But um, no, it was really good, and it, the um, the player bidding was probably one of the funnest parts. Oh my god, yeah. So the. the the uh, the deadline day, as they called it, which was the last part of the off-season before you mm. got to the playing of the games, which is where 
you decide which continent you want to draft a player from. So you turn a player over at random, um, and there's a minimum bid on each player. So whether they're a one-star shit or whether they're a five- or a six-star superstar, mm-hmm. although there's only one six-star player, old yeah, Garibaldi, yeah. Um, you have a minimum amount of money that you have to bid in order for that player to be bought by somebody. Um and we got into several situations, and actually most of them were between me and you, actually, mm. um, where you were. it was a, effectively a game of chicken because you knew full well that <laughs> I needed those players and you just kept running me up. I mean, you made me pay $115 million for a three-star defender, <laughs> which is so far over the odds. But I, I kept thinking to myself, like, I, need, I was trying to balance it in my head between I need this player because my defence is shit, but equally, I don't want to overspend, and I could actually lumber you with him mm. and make you pay the extortionate cost. Um, so it was that game of chicken of knowing when to flinch. Yeah. And unfortunately, you flinched before I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up having to pay an extortionate amount of money. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're a, if you're partial to a board game, um, you know, people who know me know that I'm a, a, a very avid board gamer. Um, but even if you're, you know, just a general football fan, I think there's there's so much fun to be had with this game. Um, if you get a group of guys together, have a few beers. I mean, we had a few beers and got a pizza in, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, I genuinely think this is one of the my favourite board games I've yeah. played in recent times, and yeah. I've I've got a collection of probably fifty board games upstairs now over that I've accumulated over the years, and this is definitely one of them that I would bring to the table again, hundred mm. percent. So yeah, if you're if you're interested in um, in seeing a bit more about it just google uh, super club go to their website check out youtube videos we didn't record any any footage we took a few pictures and stuff which i actually uh, will post up on social media i haven't done yet um but recording board game gameplay is very difficult without multiple cameras from Mm. different angles and multiple microphones and we just frankly don't have the money (laughs) to do that so it is tricky but yeah it's it's a brilliant game if you're fans of games like monopoly or um card games frankly i think there's a lot of fun to be had here Mm. the the setup the way in which there's lots of components to the game makes it look really uh, overwhelming. Yeah, it didn't take long to grasp the rules. That and it's to be fair, it's all sort of written out on the board as you go along. Anyway, yeah, they give you like there's pointers on the board yeah. to kind of remind you at what point in the game you are. And like any board game, once you play one complete round of it, all of a sudden everything clicks, mm. and then it's just about trying to find the little nuances of the game. Can I get a you know a cheeky benefit by doing this yeah. or doing that? And that's where the fun comes out. So yeah, we it was brilliant. It's a four player game. There are expansion packs to make it five and six players. There's additional components. The only criticism that I would have, and these guys are not the only guys to do this, is that the game has quite clearly been cut down, trimmed down for this version with the view that if you want if you want to increase the player count, go and buy the DLC for an additional mm. cost. <clears throat> and the reason I don't particularly like that is because I feel like just put all your effort into making the game as good as it can be. Don't deliberately leave things out yeah. um, just to entice people to buy the second pack. And I, look, I understand why they do it. They're a business. They want to make mm. money. I get that. But there's genuinely, there are components in this game and there are pieces of wording on the board which are specifically for a variety of the, or, or, uh, a version of the game that we don't own. Mm. Yeah, there's five and six player rules. There are optional rules that you can throw in with five and six players, which we, you know, we don't have the packs. Mm. So we can't even do it. So it just felt a bit. I feel like most cheap. most games, you know, you look at like PlayStation games and stuff. Yeah. You buy a game and it's got like one map on it, and then you've got to buy all the rest separately. Yeah, no, exactly that. So it's it's a practice. It's a really 
shady practice for my mm. money. It's something that, as a, again, an avid video game player as well, that I've hated over time. I don't have a problem with DLC and extra bits being bolted on afterwards. Yeah. But when it's so blatant that they have chopped the game down a little bit just to keep something back for a mm. different version, that's where I kind of have a little bit of a problem with it. Mm. But thankfully, the game being as good as it is, it makes up for it. So yeah. I will give them a pass <laughs> on this occasion. Um, and also, if you are if you go on their website, you will see they've actually got licensed versions of the games now. So whereas we're playing with a version of the game which has fictitious players, fictitious uh, clubs and everything like that there are officially licensed versions things like uh, Arsenal Man City have got licensed versions I'd be quite interested to see actually what though what that game would look like because well, is it purely just the cards have real player faces on them and that sort of thing or is it Pete reckoned it was just the box didn't he just the box yeah I mean that in a way that would make sense because they think of the, the stack of player cards mm. that were in there you know, other than Nottingham, unless you did a Nottingham Forest edition, in which case you'd be fine because with yeah. all their new signings, you could easily back out a deck of cards yeah. with them. Otherwise, One thing to mention was all the key staff, the names. Oh, yeah, they were brilliant, weren't yeah. they? What was your... I'm trying to think of some of the ones um, we had. So my defensive coach was last-ditch tackle. That was it, yeah. Um, I think I had a I had an attacking coach. I can't remember what his name was. It was Tiki Tacker. Yeah. Was one of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're all loads of little puns yeah. on the key stuff, which was very enjoyable. Um, I would that again, I suppose, as a criticism, there wasn't enough key staff cards. Yeah, yeah, that was the only thing we felt like we were going through the same cards time after time after time as we mm. got into the latter stages of the game, which was a shame. But uh, yeah, overall, really, really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, if you're interested in learning a bit more, hit us up. Um, we're going to post some pictures so you can see what it looks like in its flesh. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're listening, Super Club, thank you very much for um, sorting us out. Because the first what the first game that came along actually had a problem with it. Um, I don't think it was them. I think it was probably um, the delivery company that caused the damage. But Super Club very kindly replaced the game for us. Um, so yeah, massive thanks to them. And of course, if you want to send us some free stuff, we'll <laughs> gladly take it and review it again on a later podcast. You never know, you lucky. If you don't ask, you yeah, don't get. Don't ask, don't get. So excellent. Okay. Um, and then to wrap up the show, then I'm just going to talk about a couple of transfers that happened this week mm-hmm. um, we'll start with the, the lesser known one which is uh, Carius back in the Premier League ex-Liverpool yeah. goalkeeper has gone to Newcastle mm. do you find this whole goalkeeper swap a bit odd because Darlow's gone to United nope. it's not Darlow um, Debravka sorry um, you know and they've got obviously Nick Pope in there as well did they really need Carius they got Carl Darlow there still yeah is it, is it a permanent or is it a loan? Well, it was a free agent. It's a free it? agent, so it's a permanent contract. So, and Dubravka's only on loan. So Dubravka's going to be going back to Newcastle. So they'll have four goalkeepers. Is there a view to buy with the Dubravka loan? Is there no. an option to well, buy? Well, we've got Henderson coming back. Yeah, he's not going to stay there, is he? Let's be honest. Not with some of the fucking things he said about well, United after he left. hopefully not, no. <laughs> but at the moment, it doesn't look like he'd be staying at Forest. No, not unless he wants to play championship mm. football next year. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, you know, Carius obviously will be remembered, unfortunately, for the horrific performance in the yeah. Champions League final against Madrid a few years ago. Um, I've heard that he may have taken a little bit of time away from football to sort of get his head straight. <clears throat> it wouldn't surprise me if the the amount of flack that he got, media attention, you know, he would have he would he wouldn't have been able to go anywhere on the internet football related without seeing videos mm-hmm. of his mistakes. And that probably would have played on his mind. And understandably, he needed to kind of get himself sorted. So hopefully he can come back in. If he gets an opportunity in Newcastle shirt, 
Um, hopefully he can, you know, start where have a good few performances and that will really help get the confidence going again. I feel like he'll be third choice goalkeeper there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's had some time out at Union Berlin. I think he was in Besiktas as well mm. after with Liverpool when he was on loan. So who knows? But it's an odd one. And of course, the main one uh, that was announced today, I think, yep. or yesterday or today, yeah, yeah, today. Yeah. Diego Costa mm. back in the Premier League, back to start some fights. Mm. Interesting one. Did you see? Oh, you, in fact, you sent it, wasn't yeah, you? The, uh, it, the yeah. reveal video was interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's different. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, go <sighs> and um, YouTube or TikTok the uh, the announcement video. Uh, I was waiting for something to happen. Mm. Like, it felt like the, the initial reveal of Diego Costa looking all hard, you know, holding onto the wall with the three yeah, or four walls. With chains. With chains. It kind of felt like something else was going to happen. Yeah. And he just kind of stood there for ages. And, oh, this is it. Isn't it? Okay, <laughs> right, right, okay. Um, but in, in a grand scheme of things, this is obviously a signing that's been forced upon them in many ways because of mm. the injury to Kaladzic. Do you think this is going to work out? Do you think, you know, what sort of Diego Costa do you think we're going to see? Mm, I don't know. Do you know, like, what length contract he's signed? I believe it's just to the end of the season. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, t- I couldn't even tell you, to be honest. I haven't seen him play in so long. No, and he's in his 30s, isn't he? But he's playing in a, in a team... That struggles to score goals. That struggles to score goals. Um, he is a, you know, a good goal scorer. It's just a case of... <laughs> Are Wolves going to play to his strengths? Mm. Chelsea had a when he was at Chelsea, they had a lot of the ball. They dominated teams. Yeah. Wolves have got that in them. They've got the ability to do that, but they don't create the sort of clear cut chances that he would have been getting while he was at Chelsea. Mm. I'm not sure this is going to work. If I'm being brutally no, honest, no, I, I don't. I'm not optimistic, but I'm intrigued. I'm definitely intrigued because you know if he comes back in and just starts fights every week, I mean it'd be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be fantastic banner to watch that, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel I I feel for Wolves a little bit. I think this was a sign they had to make. Clearly, Jimenez hasn't unfortunately been able to rediscover the form mm. that he had before his horrific head injury. Um, you know they've had Hoang. I think he's still is he still there? Still there. Still yeah, there. Yeah. He's not really done. I think great Troy is still there. Yes, he is. Yeah, mm. Adam Troy is still there. Um, and with all the talent in the players they've got in their midfield atta- attacking midfield areas they don't ever seem to be able to put it no. together and, and score goals so they have to sort this out they cannot continue to be that team that never scores goals mm. uh, it, you know, they have to change something so right okay um, we've just squeezed over the hour mark I think uh, we're going to round out the show with this down the stat, man. So yeah, the only Haaland has now moved into first place with the players with the best minutes to goals ratio. Yeah. Um, with players that score twenty five plus goals in the Champions League, but can you tell me the other five? That are well, there there's with... surely the two obvious ones: Messi and Ronaldo. Yep, they're both in there. Um, three more. Three more. Um, Benzema. Nope. So. Only one of them is still playing. Only one still playing. Yeah, wow! Okay. But the other two are, you know, massive players that have played for top clubs. Ronaldo, V nine Ronaldo. <laughs> nope. Henri. Nope. Um, so I'll give you. I'll narrow it down for you. Yeah. I'll give you the countries. Go on. As in the countries they played in, or their nationalities. Nationalities. Okay. So one of them, you'll get it instantly. Go on. Poland. Oh, Lewandowski. Yeah. The other two are Germany and. 
The Netherlands. The Netherlands. Nistelrooy? Yeah. And German... Closer? No. Muller? No. How recent? Ish, recent-ish. Played for Bayern, I believe. Gomez? Yeah, Mario Gomez. Mario Gomez. Mm-hmm. Some very big names on that list. Mm. Yeah, we actually watched him while we were having the pizza playing that ball game. We had a little trip down memory yeah, lane and we watched yeah. some of the greatest goals of, of the last sort of 20 years. My God, there was some... You forget some of the players actually and just how good they were. Maybe one time we'll do like a special and yeah, go back and talk yeah. about some of the actually, some weirdly, of our childhood saw, heroes. Um, I saw Rooney recently... I don't know if you've recently done it, but I recently saw that he'd done an interview about his um, overhead kick against City. Was that when he sat down with Neville? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I saw it. It was on. I'd, I'd had it on mute, but I saw yeah. it was on. Yeah, yeah. So, right, okay. Uh, well, somehow we've managed to squeeze an hour out of um, no Nothing. football on the weekend. <laughs> so hopefully you're still with us. If you are, thank you very much for sticking with us to the end. Um, just a reminder, no podcast next week. Um, I am away on holiday. Um, so we will be back the following week, which will be the 27th by the time it's released. Um, and then we'll be staring right down the barrel of our 100th episode. So we will mm-hmm. start to trickle feed some information out onto social media about what you can expect um, and what we're going to be doing. We are going to be giving away a copy of Super Club board game um, uh, as part of the show. So we'll rev- again reveal details of how you can get involved in that uh, a bit nearer at the time. So, yeah, thank you very much for sticking with us, everybody. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Bye.